I am terrible. I'm just going to throw it out there today. I'm terrible at holiday messages. Um, I and I don't say this negatively towards anybody. I, I just I really seek the Lord, listen to what He wants to say, and for some reason Jesus cannot get on the page with the holiday messages. Um, half the time on Easter, I'm preaching about Christmas. On Christmas, I preach about Easter. On Mother's Day, I talk about fathers. On Father's Day, I talk about mothers. On Independence Day, I talk about bondage. I, I just can't, can't seem to get it right. Some are amazing. I might, and I say this, my brother, who's also a pastor, uh, he is phenomenal, literally. The, he is amazing at uh, holiday messages. I'm terrible. So I don't have a nice, beautiful Mother's Day type message uh, but I do believe this morning when I woke up, God spoke something very specifically to me for someone today. I don't know who you are, and I don't say that dramatically. I believe today that someone who is watching, or maybe someone shared this video with you and you're watching it at another time, whoever you are, I believe God wants to speak to you today. Because what I have learned on my uh, short 40 years on this earth, uh, is that problems and life, pain, difficulties, struggle, doesn't know the calendar, doesn't pay attention to the holiday. For you moms out there, life doesn't know today's Mother's Day. Let's give her a break. It would be wonderful today could be perfect and never have a stress, but today may be a horrible day. You might have to deal with sickness. You might have to deal with uh, frustration. You might get bad news today. Life doesn't know that it's a holiday. So I apologize today that if I'm not giving you a beautiful Mother's Day message, but uh, I believe today if you're a mom, what God will speak today will be for you. But I believe this is not just exclusively for mothers. I believe God is speaking to someone today. And you might dismiss me in the first few minutes and that's okay, but I believe today God wants to speak to someone's heart and I woke up this morning, and within about three minutes of my, um, well, we woke up quite early this morning, and within a few minutes, the Lord had spoken this to me. And I, I believe God is speaking to someone's heart today, if you would listen. And I know it's a holiday. I know for some of you, you've got plans, and you've got a few minutes you're carving out this morning to watch uh, again. And I know there's a thousand other things you probably want to be doing than sit here watching me uh, again. For those of you that have been on this journey with us for the last 14 months, and it's very easy to get distracted, very easy for you to, well, I'll just turn it on and I'll go to something else. But I believe if you would open up your heart and spirit today, God wants to speak to your, uh, to you today because there are some out there that even though it's a holiday, right now you're so overwhelmed with things in your life that yes, the holiday may be a distraction, but tomorrow morning's coming like a freight train. It's amazing to me. We have more in, in this country, and I know there's some of you that watching. It's amazing every week. We get more people that are telling us they're watching from outside of the United States, and that's always an amazing, um, amazing uh, blessing and very humbling that you would be willing to sit and watch this this morning wherever you are. We have a big shout out to all our Filipinos that are watching for the Philippines. We have so many that watch from the Philippines. But all that being said, uh, in America, we have, in retrospect, I know all, there's scales within all of this, but in America, we've got, most of us have enough money to survive, 
Most of us have enough things in our life that you know we're 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 inundated with convenience. You don't even have to leave your house anymore to do 99% of the things that uh, you need to survive in this world. You can have your uh, your supplies uh, delivered through Amazon. Now you don't even have to go out to get food with Uber Eats and DoorDash. And in case you didn't know this, but I believe it's DoorDash, which is just baffling to me, uh, delivers from 7-Eleven. So right now, if I wanted a Snickers bar, I could hit a button and within a few minutes, someone would be standing at my door with the Snickers bar. That's where we are. So we've got more conveniences than we've ever had before. We have more technology that brings us so close together. But yet, in all that, all of the things we have, all the advancements in technology and medicine and society and socialization, we're... we're like the most stressed generation. We're the most strung out generation. We're in some ways we battle more loneliness and depression in this generation than anyone. So it's amazing to me that within all that, there is still a massive hole that hasn't been filled. And so today you might have a lot of things going on in your life. You might have a lot of you might be have enough money that you're sitting right now on a on a a beach chair on some beautiful island and you're watching today as the waves wash on your feet in this paradise but that doesn't mean you have peace that doesn't mean that you have true contentment you might have distractions and you might have enough money to keep those distractions coming but in the end when we all lay down at night we close our eyes or attempt to close our eyes we're all pretty equal and it's amazing how many people nowadays can't function without something that's keeping them distracted from the reality of their situation. Psalms 19 verse number 1 gives a beautiful description. I've seen this uh, on posters. I've seen it on pictures. I've seen it on bumper stickers. I've seen it uh, every, you know, many different places because it's such a beautiful descriptive scripture. But Psalms 19 verse number 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now when I say that, when I think of heaven declared the glory of God, most of us kind of take that to the eternal heaven, right? We're going to heaven. But that's not really what the word heavens there means. It means the things that are above in the sky. I've always been fascinated as a, uh, even as a young child, I was very fascinated with uh, astronomy, with the night sky. I could sit and look up at the night sky for hours and just observe the the numerous amounts of stars and growing up where we live here we live in a very urban area we don't live quite in a city but if you live uh, in in the area that uh, we currently live in and that I grew up in it's still a very urbanized area there's lots of people and lots of street lights and other light it's called light pollution and what that means is because of the light pollution we live near Baltimore we live near Washington DC uh, we have other city, uh, other kind of in, um, urbanized hubs in our area. There's millions and millions and millions of people. Uh, this area that we live in is one is top ten in the population density in the United States. So there's a lot of what's called light pollution, right? Street lights, home lights, parking lot light, all these things that kind of throw light into the sky. And what that does is when you look up at the night sky, for you and I that live here, or maybe you live in another area that's very urbanized, that when you look up, you see stars, and it's still a beautiful sight. Several months ago, uh, for those of you that maybe had the chance to experience this, 
there was a thing called the Christmas Star. And uh, we live kind of in a place in our neighborhood where we can see a pretty good swath of the horizon. And we got a chance to see the Christmas Star. And um, and it was really amazing. And 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 but even with that, the night sky, we can still see things like, you know, the Big Dipper or other things like that. Uh, planets that may pop up every once in a while. And so it's it's still a beautiful sight. But uh, several years ago, my wife and I were uh, traveling on a little vacation, and we were out west in the in the uh, the desert uh, near the Mojave Desert. And so one evening, we decided uh, because of the fascination with stars, and um, my wife had never seen this before. Uh, but if you go to the place that's dark enough, you can actually see parts of the the Milky Way because you can really see uh, that that well at night. And so we went into the Mojave Desert, and in Mojave Desert, there's what's called a dark zone. In case you don't know what a dark zone is, uh, across the U.S. there are there are there are there are certified what for what astronomers call uh, dark zones. And what that means is it is places that are um, uh, completely free of light pollution. Uh, there's several more as you get out west, obviously, where the land is more and people are less. There's a little bit here if you live near where we live on the east coast of the United States. There's actually one about four hours from us in Pennsylvania that's a small area called a dark zone. And what the dark zone means is that when you look up at the night sky, you have no light pollution that's distorting your view. And what's amazing about that, if you've never had an opportunity to experience that is, is that when you and I look up here, that may we live in an urban area, we see stars. But in a dark zone, it's almost as if you can't see any place in the sky where there isn't a star. And so we had this opportunity several years ago to drive out into the darkness of the Mojave Desert. And I'm talking about when I'm talking about dark, I'm talking about you get on these little two-lane roads in the middle of the Mojave Desert and you turn off your car and you can't even barely see, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's that dark. It's nothing out there. There's not a light to be seen anywhere. There's not a house. There's not a gas station. There's not a street light. I mean, there is nothing out there but darkness. So we did that. We got out. We turned the car off. We got out and we looked up and it almost took your breath away. It almost just literally took our breath away to see the immensity and the overwhelming beauty of a night sky filled with the blanket of stars. It really made me think about what it must have been like for Abraham in the Old Testament when God told Abraham that he would make his seed, his descendants, as as numerous as the stars in the night sky. Now, if I went outside my house tonight, I look up and I see that, I'd go, okay, God, that's pretty decent. You know, there's some stars up there, but, you know, with all the light pollution, I don't really get to see the amazingness of the stars above me. But in that situation, in the Mojave Desert, in the dark zone, when I looked up and I see stars to the point in my little field of vision that we could see, not including the fact that this encompasses the entire globe, wherever you are, when I look at that and I go, wow, what a promise. That all of these stars and the more that's unseen would represent the descendants. And you'd go around the globe and everywhere you see it's the same same view. It was breathtaking. 
So when David writes and pens sitting in the shepherd field on one evening after the sheep had been bedded down for the night and maybe sitting by the campfire that he had created uh, for one of the many nights that he sat out there alone watching the sheep, keeping them and protecting them from predators. Uh, I believe maybe he laid back on a bed of grass and looked up and when he looked up at the stars in the sky and was overwhelmed by the amount and the beauty and the magnitude of what he could see, he pinned the words, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, when you think about the immensity, and I don't know today, I would assume that if you're watching, a, uh, watching me today, knowing that what the content of this broadcast is that there is some belief you have of God. I don't believe if you had no godly belief in you, you would be spending your Mother's Day morning watching me today. You'd probably be watching many other programs that are far more entertaining than sitting here watching me in my white lab coat. (laughs) So, if you're watching today, you have some belief that there's a God, and you have some belief that if that God, He is the ultimate creator. However you look at the creation, whether you uh, look at things from different perspectives, you believe as a God-believing person that God is the creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when I look at all that and I know that God created all of these things and, and the immensity of all that I see with my naked eye, not including what can be seen with the instruments that we use to go into the sky. I talked about the Christmas star, and for my birthday last year, uh, I was given by Antioch West a telescope, and I a really nice one, a real telescope, not the kind that just has the long tube, but a, a, a real quality telescope. And so when the Christmas star came... Um, and it was several months ago, I got out my telescope and we shot it at the Christmas star. And what was really cool is when you shot it at the star, you actually realized it wasn't one star. It was actually two, two planets. I believe it was Saturn and I want to say, no, oh, I think it was Jupiter. I don't remember what it was. I believe it was Saturn and Jupiter. But from the, from the naked eye, it looked like it was one. But when you got the telescope, you could see them actually side by side. It was amazing was really fascinating to see. So Antioch West gave me this telescope and uh, I've been able to kind of view and look up at the night sky and see things and really cool about the telescope is if you get it zoomed on a spot in, in, in at night, what you can see with your naked eye is only a few dots, but when you look in the telescope, you can see more of this blanket of sprinkles inside the telescope, which is an amazing thing. And so when I think about that and I think about the the immensity of that. I'm going somewhere. I'm not just giving you an astronomy lesson. And then I stop for a moment and I go, okay, I have a God who created all this. I have a God that created not just the little speck of dirt I'm standing on right now, but he created all the immensity of everything that I can see with my eye and things that cannot be unseen, that cannot be seen with the eye, that only the man's greatest instruments can see. It's amazing to me 
the immensity of all of this. In fact, just to put it in perspective for a moment, I'm, I want to build a picture, if I can, with you to make my point. And I want the heavens today to preach the message, the creation of God to preach the message today, not just a bunch of platitudes, but I want to take you for a moment for those of you that would be willing to just open your mind and explore a little bit. And not that this is a science lesson, but just I want you to see that David said the heavens declare the glory of God. So let's talk about the heavens. And when we see the heavens, they speak of the glory and the power and the magnitude of who God is. To put it in perspective, if the sun was the size of a soccer ball, some parts of the world it's called a football, but not an American football, a soccer ball. If, if, if the sun was the size of a soccer ball, and I said it right here on this table, to put that into perspective of the size and scope of the current place we call home, planet Earth, the third rock from the sun. If I set a soccer ball on this table today and I called it sun, and it was the sun and represented the sun in size, and we, we painted it yellow and put it right here, and we... We, we, uh, we wanted to show in sort of a real-world scenario the size and scope of where we are in relation to the sun. So the sun now is a soccer ball. So what about this big, right? If you went 26 yards that way, 26 yards, over 75 feet in that direction, and then you took the head of a pin the head of a, of, a, of a pin that you use for sewing or a, a stick pin, a little tiny head of a pin, or maybe the size of a, of, a, of a BB, if you know what a BB is. And you put that 26 yards away from the soccer ball, that would be the distance and the size of Earth in retrospect to the soccer ball sun. And if you took a grain of salt, a grain of salt... One tiny grain of salt and stuck it next to your pinhead earth. That would be our moon. So when you look at the heavens and declare the moon, the beauty of the moon, when the moon rises and still amazing to us, that the moon is this amazing body that, that circles the earth and we have been able to accomplish by sending someone to that body that circles the earth. In perspective, soccer ball sun... 26 yards away or 75 plus feet. If you don't know what that is, go outside today. Stand somewhere and walk 26 paces. That's roughly about a yard a pace. Walk 26 paces away from the spot you started. And think about the size of a, of a BB or a pinhead or a pellet. Something in that, in that scope. Versus a soccer ball. That would be the comparison of the earth to the sun. And then go get a grain of salt. Everyone's got salt somewhere, so find some salt. Put a piece of salt in your hand. Walk 26 paces and look back to your soccer ball sun and know that's the size of the moon. Now look at the moon, and the moon looks huge to me. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now to put this in perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm building, a, building my case here because I want to show you something here in just a moment. I'm going to show you a picture that's going to show you the heavens declare the glory of God. That they've discovered, they're calling it Planet Nine. Now, 
there's debate within the astronomical community uh, of whether or not the validity of this. But there is a, a body, some kind of force, a body that is being pulled by the sun's gravity. They call it Planet Nine. So this planet is inside our solar, our, our solar system, the solar system that has the sun, has the eight planets. You know most of them, right? right? Venus, Mars, uh, Earth, Jupiter, and Neptune, uh, all these Saturn. So we have eight planets, but there's one that's called the ninth planet, not Pluto, but there's another planet out there that's, that's being pulled. They've, they've observed the, the force of gravity from the Earth, from the Sun, being pulled, pulling this. And to give you perspective, that too would be the size of a pinhead. But in pers perspective of how large our solar system is, if you had a soccer ball sun, now get this, Nir, I, I know it's kind of, Walk with me for a moment. You have a soccer ball sun. Walk 26 paces, 26 strides that direction. Look at your little pinhead earth and your little grain of salt moon. That's where we are compared to the soccer ball sun. But this newly discovered planet or newly discovered body that's circling our sun that is being pulled by the gravity of the sun would be 17 and a half miles. 17 and a half miles further away. So think about that. Soccer ball sun. I get this. We're going somewhere. We're talking about the heavens declare the glory of God. Soccer ball sun, pinhead earth, grain of salt moon, 26 paces, 26 strides away from here. That's the scope of the sun and the earth. But walk another six hours at a brisk pace. Five hours, depending on your stride, to get to that 17 and a half mile mark. And that's where the outer reaches of our solar system are. Now, let's go bigger for a moment. We have a sun. We can see our sun. It warms us. We're 93 million miles away from this star called the sun. But yet when you go outside today in a sun, on a sunny day, you can feel the warmth of its rays. And it's a star, right? The sun, you were taught in school that the sun is a star. But when I look up at the night sky, I see that there are thousands and thousands of other stars. But what's amazing, our sun, who is powerful enough to keep our earth in perfect orbit and also warm it to provide an atmosphere for sustainable life for you and I. Our sun, in comparison to the next biggest star, would be comparable to a soccer ball next to the Empire State Building. That's how small our sun is compared to the other stars out there. But then I look up at the star in the sky, and in some nights, if it's clear enough, I feel like I can just reach out and touch it. But here's the crazy part about this little thing we call the universe. The next star closest to you and I, right? We have the sun, 93 million miles away, the next star, that's our neighbor. 
our next door neighbor star is over 4.2 light years away. Now I say 4.2 light years away and I, I got to be frank with you. I don't know what that means. Okay, 4.2 light years away. Where does that? Well, let's put it in perspective. Today I put you in a rocket ship with unlimited fuel and unlimited food. And today we blast you off. Five, four, three, two, one. Godspeed. And you are going to take a journey to the next star, our neighbor. Not something on the far reaches of the universe, not something in the far reaches of the unknown galaxy, just the star that's closest to us in this solar system we call the Milky Way. We're building it, right? We're going from sun to earth to the outer parts of our solar system. Now we're talking about the next star next to us. You're in a spaceship. You blast off today. You're going to travel at a blazing speed of 35,000 miles per hour. You're going to go 35,000 miles an hour, 24-7, 365. Your spaceship will never run out of fuel. You will never slow down. You will continue at a blistering speed of 35,000 miles an hour. How long do you think it would take you to get from this star we call the sun to our next door neighbor down the street? Anybody want to take a guess? I'll tell you. At 35,000 miles an hour, if you blasted off Earth today and you were going to try to find and get next to the nearest neighbor star to our sun, congratulations, you will reach your destination in 81,000 years. 81,000 years traveling at 35,000 miles an hour. It will take you to get to our next door neighbor down the street. Now building a case here, we're talking about the heavens declare the glory of God. This, you have not tuned in to the science channel. Walk with me for a moment. So let's go back and recap this. We've got a soccer ball sun. Walk 26 paces that direction. Get a little pinhead, smaller than a pea. That's our earth. Get a grain of salt, that's the moon. Walk 17 and a half miles further. Find another pea or pinhead or a BB. And that will be the further extent of the solar system that is influenced by the gravitational force of our sun. But to get to the next neighboring sun down the street, if you left Earth today and you traveled at 35,000 miles an hour for 24 hours a day, 365 days a week, you would arrive at your destination in 81,000 years. 2700 generation. To put that in perspective, genealogists have traced back there is somewhere between 75 and 100 generations in their calculations between us 
currently living in 2021 and the origins of the flood story of Noah. About 75 to 100 generations. And we're talking about 2,700 generations would take place before you could get to the next star. The heavens declare the glory of God. And one more interesting understanding of the heavens. Back in the 90s, NASA wanted to be able to study deep space uninhibited by the atmosphere of Earth. So they created one of the most advanced instruments that has ever been designed called the Hubble Telescope. The Hubble Telescope was a huge, massive uh, telescope that could orbit the Earth in outer space and be able to view things in the far reaches of our universe with its amazingly advanced um, optical capturing device. And so we could finally peer into the deep places of space with a instrument that could bring us back pictures and not just simply bring us back un or just data on data on 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 a on a on a sheet. We could actually see pictures. So they sent the Hubble telescope up into the earth and into the atmosphere. Now when it started taking pictures, there was a limited period of time in which it had a lifespan. Eventually it was going to uh, run out of uh, fuel. It was eventually going to run out of, um, of, of, the, uh, of, of use. And so they knew that the Hubble telescope wasn't going to be around forever. So every moment that they had was an opportunity to observe and to, and to take pictures and to watch things that were extremely important to understanding scientifically our universe, the world around us. Well, there was a particular dark place in the night sky that they had observed in several images taken from Earth with our limited telescopes. They, would, they observed this one particular patch of dark sky. And so there were some astronomers at NASA that convinced the people that were in charge of the Hubble telescope they asked them if they would allow them to point the Hubble telescope at this blank, dark patch of night sky. And they wanted to leave it there pointing for 10 days. Now this was a huge risk because you're talking about every day is worth millions of dollars. And if you point it at a blank spot and 10 days later you get nothing, you've just wasted millions of dollars and precious time that could be spent studying other, thing, other things. But through more convincing, they finally convinced the people in charge of the Hubble telescope to point the telescope at nothing for 10 days, not knowing what was going to happen. So for 10 days, the Hubble's telescope was fixated on a blank place in the night sky. And in 10 days later, they saw the picture. And when they saw the picture, they were absolutely in disbelief of what they saw. Because 10 days later, 
after pointing the Hubble telescope at nothing for 10 days, this is the picture that they saw after 10 days. This is the picture here. Take a look at that picture. It looks like stars, just a bunch of stars. But here's the power of that picture. Every one of those specks you see is not a star. Every single thing you see on that picture is another galaxy equal to or bigger than the Milky Way galaxy that we currently call home. So every speck of dust you see, every little light you see on that picture there is a galaxy, not just a star. Think about that for a second. It looked like nothing, but when they observed it for 10 days, they discovered a blanket of galaxies. So far out in the distant parts of the universe that it appeared to be nothing but dark sky. But when you observed it, it was filled with galaxies. Each galaxy holding anywhere from 100 to 300 to 400 billion with a B, 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 billion stars. One more time, the heavens declare the glory of God. Let's take it all the way back to this. I'm letting science preach the message today. <laughs> Soccer ball sun. Soccer ball sun. 26 paces. So I, want you, I really want you to try this when you get a chance today, just for fun. Stand there. Picture a soccer ball. If you've got a soccer ball, it'll be even better. Get a soccer ball or some kind of other ball or something round that's about the size of a soccer ball, bowling ball, maybe a small basketball, maybe a, if you've got a watermelon or something of that nature, something about this big. Walk 26 paces. Not 26, you know, don't, don't be doing the step on your toe walk, but 26 normal paces is about 26 yards depending on the size of your stride and how big your feet are, but about 26 paces. And stand, turn around, look at your, your, your watermelon, your, your bowling ball, your soccer ball, and then get a, 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 a BB, a pin, a pinhead, or a, a small P. That's earth. That's the distance. Then get a grain of salt. That's the moon. Then if you got time today and you're not doing anything and you really don't have nothing, anything to do, walk five, mi five hours, 17 and a half miles away from your soccer ball. You can't even see it at that point. And get another P or pinhead or BB. That's the farthest reaches of our solar system that we call home. And then know our next door neighbor, our next door neighbor, Planet, I mean, not planet, but next door neighbor star to our sun would require 81,000 years of travel at 35,000 miles an hour to reach our nearest neighbor. And then we saw with the picture of the Hubble telescope that even when you peer off into the farthest hundreds of light years away, there is more galaxies out there. Now, there's no test today. I'm not, I'm going to ask you to remember all the scientific data. But David said, 
The heavens declare the glory of God. Now David said that laying on his back, looking up at a night sky as a young shepherd boy, not knowing the vastness of what you and I just talked about. He didn't know all these things. He just observed with his eyes the magnitude of the heavens and the heavens were equal to or displayed the glory of God. And now we just talked about the immensity of the heavens and how far the heavens reach and the amazing parts of the heavens that are even greater than what we can see that are out there. Now what does this have to do with me today? What does this have to do with you today? What does this have to do? Okay, that's great. What does this have to do? Let's leave you with this challenge and this is what the Lord showed me today. We have this God that created the immensity, or we believe, I believe, hopefully you believe, I believe created the immensity of all of this. He created the immensity of everything that we can see and unseen to the farthest reaches of places undiscovered yet by even the greatest instruments we have on planet Earth or have sent to space. There are immensities left undiscovered that our God, the God that we pray to, the God we serve, the God we worship, the God we call our Savior, the God we call our friend, this God put all of this into play, into action, created every bit of it. And here we are, a pea, a pinhead, a BB, 26 Paces away from a soccer ball sun. With even the greatest things we have available, it takes everything we've got and a full focus for us to travel from our earth to our salt grain, grain of salt moon. And we have a God who strung all of this with just simply His words. And on this small tiny speck in the immensity of our solar system and our sun, this little tiny speck in the immensity of our galaxy and our galaxy, this small piece of the immensity of the millions of galaxies that are in our universe. And on top of that, there is you and I sitting here as a collection of dust created by the hands of a creator. And I look at all of that and I see the immensity of the heavens declare the glory of God. And I see me, just a tiny, small speck of dirt on this small little rock next to this small soccer ball in the immensity of everything God created. Can I ask you this today, my friend, with all of that as evidence is there anything in your life that's too big for God? Is there anything today that's too big for God? Is there anything today that's beyond His scope? Is there anything today that God is sitting down, stressed out because He doesn't know what to do or how to do it? He doesn't know what to hand, how to handle it because it's so complicated and so hard. The God that created all of this would just simply let it be, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And all of this was created. And you and I, this little tiny speck of dust on this little tiny rock 
in the immensity of all that God created, is there anything in our life right now that God can't handle? So can I ask you this? Who do you think is better equipped to handle your problems? Who do you think is better equipped to handle your hurt? Who is better equipped to handle your pain? Who's better equipped to navigate the, 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 the problems and difficulties, the mountains and the valleys of life? You, my friend, with our limited capacity, just talking about some of this stuff today, I lost half of you because you can't even wrap your head around the immensity of that. Even when we bring it down to a scale that we can talk about in human terms, we can't even understand that as human beings we don't even understand all that and we think that you and I today have the mental capacity to be able to run our life better than the one who created all of this oh are we fools oh how deceived we are is there anything too hard for God is there anything God needs your advice on? Why in the world would you want to control your life, my friend? Why would you think somehow, some way, you're going to be able to figure it all out better than God who created all this and didn't even break a sweat? And I get stressed out because I have to sit in traffic for 10 minutes. I get stressed out at McDonald's because it takes three minutes to get my cheeseburger instead of two minutes to get my cheeseburger. I get stressed because I got to go to 7-Eleven to get a candy bar instead of getting DoorDash to deliver to my car. That stresses me. But yet I have a God who said, let it be. And the immensity of all this was created. And yet somehow when it comes to my life, I think I can do a better job at controlling it and running it than he can. Come on, my friend, today. Here's what the Lord spoke to me when I got up this morning. When just a few minutes of being up, God said, tell somebody today to give up and let me take over. I can't believe we have to convince you of this. But it's amazing today. I've been doing this now full time for 22 years. I've been speaking and preaching and ministering as God has led and directed for 22 years. And it's amazing that in 22 years, I've got to convince these little specks of dirt on a little speck of rock in this little place we call a solar system in the immensity of all that's there. We've got to convince these little flakes of dirt to give up and let the creator be the one in charge but my friend that's how powerful will and humanity is that's how strong our flesh is that's how much we are deceived in our own wisdom and understanding that we think we have a better understanding and a better job at doing all this than God but God told somebody today wanted me to tell somebody today to give up and let him take over Give up. Stop trying. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to piece it all together. Stop trying to do it your way. Because you can never do it like he can. You'll never be able to do it. So why try? Put your, put your collective brain power. Bring all the smartest minds in the world together to, on, to bear on your problems. Put them all together. Can they match anywhere close to the power and the magnitude of God? 
And yet this God is not only there, he's not only out there, but this God offers me the opportunity to commune with him, to fellowship with him, have a relationship with him. And even more than that, he offers the opportunity to abide in me. What? This God that created all that has the opportunity and desires to abide in me, this little speck of dirt on this little speck of rock. He wants to abide in me. And yet I think that I've got a handle on how to do all this. I think I can do this better. I think I can figure out life. I think I can have all this without this God in my life. Oh, my friend, when you put it on the scale, it doesn't even come close to matching up. So I'm asking you today, what are you doing? Why not finally give up and let Jesus Take over. Why don't you finally let Jesus be the one to take over? Why don't you give control? Why don't you give God a chance to run your life? Why don't you say today, God, I give up. You're so much bigger than I am. And are you looking at a problem today? Are you looking at something that looks like it's insurmountable? God, I know you can do this, but I don't think you can do that. Is there any problem in your life right now that compares to the immensity of everything he created with just simply let there be? So I guess my question to you today is, what are you doing? Psalms 46, verse number 10 says, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. That word still there means to drop, let go, to cease. That Hebrew phrase there really means cease from striving. Cease striving means cease effort. Cease trying to figure it out. Stop doing what you're doing and see that I am God. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to control it. You know what? You can't be in control and give up control at the same time. You want to give God control? You can't be in control. Doesn't work. You can't control everyone around you. You can't fix everybody's problems and let God be in control. But he said, cease from striving. Give up. And know that I'm your God. We need to stop striving and start abiding. Cease from striving and start abiding. We read it last week. John chapter 15, if I abide in you and my words, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, there's nothing that you can't do. There's nothing that I can't do in you. So I guess my question today is, what are you waiting for? Or do you really think another few days of struggle, of stress, of pain, of, well, you know what? I know everyone else hasn't figured this out, but I think I'm the first. I could probably do this. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, apparently you haven't heard how big my God is. Well, you don't know what I'm facing. Well, apparently you haven't heard the last 25 minutes of talking about how big my God is, but you don't know how high the mountain is, but you don't know how big my God is. I wish I had somebody here that would be jumping up and down right now when you realize the light bulb goes off and you realize, my God, 
what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I even attempting to do this when this God that I call friend, that I apparently say, I know God, God lives in me, yet I live, this God lives in me, but I have reduced him down to this little tiny deity that I tuck away in a corner of my heart because I have too much other stuff that I'm using to fix my life because this immense God has been reduced. You know what the problem is? We've got a God problem. We've made God way too small. We've made God way too small. If you put God back into his proper size, and what's amazing, when you say all of that, he described all of the immensity of what we talked about, our nearest neighbor, 81,000 miles away, pointing a telescope at the dark spot in the sky for 10 days, and you get back all those galaxies. And when you say all that, he described it this way, heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. At best, this rock we call is not even good enough to be God's footstool. And we, this little tiny dust that encompasses a two foot by two foot square on this earth right now that I'm standing on, this is all I take up that I can't even make a dent on his footstool and yet I think I can figure it out better than he can. What are we doing? Oh, my friend, can, you, can, can somebody see? <laughs> And we got a God up there that's so loving and patient and kind. Can you imagine? You ever, all you mothers and dads out there, you ever had your child at two or three years old try to figure something out and you try to help them and they basically resist your, because they want to do it themselves. And even though you know they're doing it wrong, even though they know they're going to fail, even though you know that you've done this a thousand times, it's okay. Go ahead, try it. But you're not going to do it. Sometimes I, I think, I can't imagine how frustrated God is, but how amazing his patient is when he looks down at old Joel, who's basically telling God, you know, God, I know you've been around for a long time and you're really, you're, you're, you're this, you're, you are God, but you know what? Give me five minutes. I think I can figure this one out. And God's like, ah, I don't know if God bangs his head on this throne, but if I was God, I would bang my head on the throne. What are you doing, Joel? Give up. Would somebody give up today? Whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, whatever part of this planet we call Earth, you're abiding in today, whether it's the U.S., whether it's Europe, Africa, Asia, South America, wherever you are today, give up and let this almighty God take control of your life. Father, your word said, let the heavens declare your glory. And today when we have talked about the heavens and the immensity of what is there, the magnitude of who you are has expanded beyond even our scope to understand. Some of the things discussed today don't even fit within the parts of our brain because the immensity of it far reaches beyond our ability to understand. And yet you call it your throne. And this rock we call home is your footstool. And Lord, even with all that, our pride, our will, our stubbornness, our fear, our desire to be in control keeps us from allowing you to be the one to control our life. 
and doubt and fear and worry have painted a picture in our mind of how giant our problems are and how small you are in reality. Our problems aren't even big enough to land on your radar because they're so small that if you could say, let there be, and all of this could come into existence, that there is no problem I'm currently facing or will ever face that is too complicated for you to solve. If I would just simply give up, stop striving, and start abiding in you. I pray, God, that the spirit of revelation would be upon us today. That we would see you how you truly are. We have put you in a small box, in a small compartment inside our heart. And we talk about how great you are. But we live our lives as if you are small and, in, and insignificant. When in reality, you are beyond even our, our most powerful ability to understand the scope of the magnitude of who you are. Lord, you said if you would be lifted up, you would draw all men. And it's amazing to me, God, that with all of the magnitude of who you are in the creation, that you love me enough to humble yourself to come to this small speck of dirt floating around a soccer ball in the middle of this galaxy, of all the other galaxies, that you chose to send yourself to this rock to die for me in my sin. So I pray today that every person out there, every mother, every father, every sister, every brother, every son, every daughter, every one of us out here today that is struggling with something that seems too hard, overwhelming, life seems to not be able to be navigated. We're stressed out. We're maxed out. We feel like we are trying to be in control, but we never we feel more out of control every day. That we would come to the realization and the revelation today to give up. And let you take over. And whatever that means, God, to one of us today, that you would reveal the steps necessary in our life. That we would stop striving and start abiding. I speak that spirit of revelation in Jesus' name. That we would see in Jesus' name. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day to all of you beautiful, wonderful mothers, whether you are young or old, whether your kids are older or younger, you never stop being a mother. And for those of you that may not have kids that are a mother to somebody out there, happy Mother's Day to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And God richly blesses you today for the seen and the unseen things that you do. God bless you on behalf again of my wife and all of Antioch West. Happy Mother's Day to all of you and to all of our Antioch West family. God bless you. I'll see you Tuesday for Tuesday Talks. we got the devotional coming out Friday this week. And starting next week, we're going into Life of Christ, part number two. We'll talk about that more next Sunday. And we'll be no right at home. So the next time you see us will be Tuesday night, Tuesday here on YouTube with Tuesday Talks. And then we'll be back here again next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you. Be safe. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time in Jesus' name.